for your Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boyd. Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk 94.5. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis and Boyd, Attorneys at Law. I'm your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. Welcome to the show, Saturday, May the 8th, 7.08 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us here on this episode of Saturday Morning Coffee. It's Saturday morning coffee. We invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite Java, your favorite morning brew. Join us as we talk about the news, current events, all the things happening in your world and what a crazy world it is, folks. Um, All the things that we think you need to know is what we talk about here on Saturday morning coffee. Here at Saturday morning coffee, we are all about limited government, lower taxes, and all the things that protect your freedom and mean more freedom and less government for you and me and all of us who are we the people. We've got a country to save, and it starts right here on the local level, so let's get to it. We invite you to sit sit down, join us with your favorite cup of uh, Java, and uh, let's get your Saturday morning going. Joined here in the studio, as always, by producer extraordinaire, Dr. Glenn Dye. Dr. Dye, how are you this morning? Good morning. You know, it's almost been two years for you and I. We are closing in on the two-year mark. We're going to have to figure out, hey, we need to figure out, we need to give away a few uh, Saturday morning uh, coffee mugs this morning. But yeah, we've got to figure out how we're going to celebrate our own two-year anniversary. Of course, the Liz Calloway, this station and the Liz Calloway Morning Show had their two-year celebration last Friday, and again, did a little uh, something at uh, Abuelo's on Wednesday. I think the official um, anniversary is Monday. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think you and I had our first show, or the first show of Saturday Morning Coffee was the end of June. Right. So... Well, we've got a little little bit of time. Dan, you imagine how much wonderful coffee we've enjoyed in the past two years? Uh, we have enjoyed some fine, <laughs> I mean, fine coffee. From the far on. stretches of the world, yes. we've had coffee in this studio. That We was, have enjoyed some fine java here in the studio. What are you drinking this morning? Um, it is uh, Lavazza. Lavazza. Yes. Very good. I have the uh, my one of my standbys, Bones Coffee, a little s'morey time. S'morey time. S'morey time. So, uh, yeah, at some point we will uh, announce during the show for you guys to text in, and we'll take the first texter. We'll win a, oh, let's do a, uh, we'll do a little coffee. I've got some coffee from Costa Rica from the Doca Estate. Ah. Share some of that with you guys and a Saturday morning coffee mug. By the way, I was, I was at the, um, I was at the uh, event at the Asher Theater for Liz and Nick on uh, Friday. By the way, and, and Nick, Nick will be out of uh, the office on out of the studio this coming week, so I'll be substituting. Someone, I believe you'll be in the studio running the boards for Liz Calloway? Yeah, I'll be here. All right, very good. So we'll be doing that. That'll be fine. That starts, uh, Nick will be out this coming week. He's on uh, vacation, I believe. So a lot going on, and um, uh, some of the folks that we ran into at the second an- uh, anniversary celebration at the Asher Theater for Liz's show 
had several folks tell me they really enjoy their Saturday morning coffee mug and get a lot of uh, a lot of feedback on that, a lot of comments. So, if you would like your very own Saturday morning coffee coffee mug and a little coffee from the Doca Estate in Costa Rica, one of my favorite sources, we'll uh, we'll give you guys a chance to win that today during the show. Just. Stay tuned in for the uh, announcement. And as always, we invite you guys to join us here on the program. You can always call in with your comments. The number is 843-903-2945 on the call-in line. You can also text us your comments to the PCRXcomputers.com text line. That number is 843-798-TALK. That's 843-798-8255. You can tweet your comments to me, at Reese Boyd. That's at Reese Boyd, the Twitter handle. And also email your comments to the show at ReeseBoydSMC at gmail.com. ReeseBoydSMC at gmail.com. Still have a parlor handle, but frankly, not been using parlor that much uh, lately. I'm not sure parlor is... Uh, is getting the critical mass that it needs. I'm not sure they've recovered from being removed from the App Store. I'm not hearing a lot about it. But uh, Reese Boyd 3, at Reese Boyd 3, is the parlor handle. But uh, I haven't been checking parlor quite as much lately. doesn't seem to be as much on parlor. Many of you have indicated uh, and love to call during normal business hours. Always happy to hear from you guys at the offices of Davis and Boyd, which is the day job. The number there at the law firm is 843-839-9800. Again, that's 843-839-9800. Always happy to hear from our listeners. Uh, Those of you who like to call during more regular hours, always happy to hear from you. So a lot to talk about today, a lot going on. Of course, we've got uh, Mother's Day coming up, a lot happening uh, in the news uh, this week, a lot of uh, interesting stuff happening to talk about we've got a you'll enjoy this discussion uh glenn i was thinking about you we've got a chinese rocket uh floating around in orbit decaying in orbit we'll be returning to earth sometime over the weekend i've heard er, sometime around uh sunday morning yeah and then and they don't exactly know where no they don't i mean it's a wide stretch of where i mean they're talking asia australia you know europe the united states (laughs) it could be as far south based on what i've read as New Zealand and as far north as New York, and it could happen anywhere in terms of right. And and here's the thing: they knew it was going to fall back to the Earth, right? But and it, so it got caught up in the Earth's orbit, yeah, which delayed its reentry, which put it. Now we don't know where it's going to land. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's been over thirty years since we've had something this large fall from the sky. This thing is the size mm-hmm. of a five-story building, mm-hmm. and and. It's actually happened uh, once before. I, I read a um, piece on Fox News where they indicated that this, you know, this is the long mark. I, I'm pulling it up. That the, this version of the Chinese uh, rocket had actually um, crashed off the coast of Africa, off or actually was in the. I believe it was landed on the uh, ground. It said that the uh, rocket. Um, debris from another Long March 5B rocket rained down on at least two villages along Africa's Ivory Coast last May, while the pieces of the booster largely fell into the Atlantic Ocean. About 70% of the Earth's surface is covered by water. Right. Coordinate updates from space tracking, where the, the, where the Space Command uh, updates these things, are, are all over the globe. So this thing could literally 
a fall everywhere. So somebody's going to be celebrating Mother's Day <laughs> with with some unintended fireworks. And this is not the first time the Chinese have done this. This is yeah. this is. Uh, this is nuts. Hey, there's also tonight, uh, 8.02 p.m., a rocket launch from Wallops Island there in uh, southern Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it will travel towards the Bahamas, and um, we should be able to see it. 8.02 p.m., we should see it about 30 to 60 seconds after launch. And then uh, I think nine minutes after launch, you may see some uh, fluorescent uh, greens and purples in the air. About what time? Um, 8.02 is launch time. Hmm. That's the planned launch time. Now, and who's doing that launch? This is uh, NASA, and it is a uh, Wallops I- from Wallops Island. Wallops Island. Yep. And this is a NASA launch? This it is. is. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a test uh, for something with those fluorescent gases that they're going to release. Oh, yeah. Well, let me just be on record on this subject. If, if the Chinese Communist Long March 5B rocket lands on my house, <laughs> I am going to expect a full-scale nuclear retaliation. Now we don't want to do that, but you'll sue them, right? Yeah, uh, right I, won't, I won't be around. Somebody will have to sue them on behalf yeah, of my. You'll be at work. You'll be off doing something. Folks, it's uh, Saturday morning coffee. A lot to talk about here on the program. Stick with us. Uh, much to share. We'll be joined later in the program by uh, Paul Gable, author of the local blog uh, Grand Strand Daily. Got uh, some comings and goings at county council and our own tom heron is going to be a special guest here on the program so a lot to talk about here on saturday morning coffee stick with us we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors i'm reese boyd that's glenn die don't leave town he's your second cousin all roads lead to he's the rising sun Local news and more. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk 94.5. Hey, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. Talking with Greg Sisson at the Greg Sisson Team Remax First Choice Real Estate. Thank you, Reese. Super excited to be on board. Uh, I do believe uh, we can bring some information that will serve your audience here. So I'm excited about that. Greg, if folks want to get in touch with you at your office, how can they do that? Really, my cell phone is the best way. It's 843-251-2693. My email is greg at gregsisson.com. That's the website, gregsisson.com. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5. In a cave below the ground, way down, it's cold and it's dark. But a nose is way around, and the mazes of the underground are no match for him. But it looks just like a traveler who hasn't showered in a while and been living in the ground. Milo is your best friend. He's your second cousin, all roads lead to, he's the rising sun, Milo is a long, long way from home, yeah, Milo is a name you won't forget, Milo I haven't met yet. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 721 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, May the 8th, 2021. Beautiful day here along the Grand Strand where the show originates here in South Carolina. By the way, I want to remind our loyal listeners that if you do miss an episode of Saturday Morning Coffee and you want to catch up 
or you just happen not to be up at this particular hour on a particular Saturday morning, you can always catch this episode or any past episode of Saturday Morning Coffee by tuning into the podcast app. You can open up your Apple Podcast app or Apple CarPlay. Search for Saturday Morning Coffee. Look for the blue and red coffee cup logo and click listen now or even better click subscribe and you'll be good to go you'll always get any back episode of saturday morning coffee that you may miss you can also find us on facebook links to the episodes by searching for saturday morning coffee or following at reese boyd on twitter and you'll get a link to the episodes as they are published in your twitter feed and uh just want to remind you guys, there's a lot going on. By the way, it's it's Mother's Day this weekend. Don't uh, forget to make a note that tomorrow is the day to remember your mother, if she is still with us. Glenn, how's your mom doing? Um, pretty good. Don't forget your mother tomorrow. Don't though. forget your mother. But By the way, sir, she is, if I recall, I don't think I've ever actually met your mother. No, you haven't. But I know her to be an astute and perceptive woman. Yes. She's very perceptive. If you have any questions about the Bible, go to mom. She once said, she once asked you, as you reported to me, she said, do you listen to Reese? And you said, well, of course, Mom. I listen to Reese. I'm there. And she says, no, but do you listen to Reese? So I know her to be a wise and astute woman, and I haven't even met her. She's, uh, what's her name? Uh, That's Rita. Rita. Well, happy Mother's Day, Rita, and happy Mother's Day to my mother, Linda. Um, My mother is... uh, by definition, a saint, because she put up with me for 18 years, mm. and I managed to make it out of the house without being shot. So we can we can just state we can all take judicial notice of the fact that my mother is a saint. So, by the way, in case you're curious, the modern holiday of Mother's Day was first celebrated in 1907 when Anna Jarvis. Did you know Anna Jarvis invented Mother's Day? No, I did not. Anna Jarvis held a memorial for her mother at St. Andrew's Methodist Church in Grafton, West Virginia. I had no idea. I thought it was Hallmark. I thought, yeah, I thought it was Hallmark the whole time. uh, St. Andrew's Methodist Church now holds the International Mother's Day Shrine. I'm quoting Wikipedia here, so, you know, take this with a large grain of salt. Her campaign to make Mother's Day a recognized, but it sounds good. So her campaign to make Mother's Day a recognized holiday in the United States began in 1905, the year her mother, Anna Reeves Jarvis, died. Anna Jarvis had been a peace activist who cared for wounded soldiers on both sides of the American Civil War. She created Mother's Day work clubs to address public health issues. She and another peace activist and suffragette, Julia Ward Howe, had been urging for the creation of a Mother's Day dedicated to peace. Forty years before it actually became a holiday, Ward Howe had made her Mother's Day proclamation in 1870, where she called upon mothers of all nationalities to band together to promote amicable settlement of international questions, the great and general interest of peace. Anna Jarvis wanted to honor this and to set aside a day to honor all mothers because she believed that the mother is the person who has done more for you than anyone in the world. I would say that is uh, probably true, arguably true. It's a two-to-tango kind of thing, but arguably that is certainly true. In 1908, the U.S. Congress rejected the proposal to make it an official holiday, joking that they would also have to proclaim a mother-in-law day. (laughs) However, 
Owing to the persistent efforts of Anna Jarvis, by 1911, all U.S. states observed uh, the holiday. Although Jarvis was successful in founding Mother's Day, she became, this is where you were thinking, Glenn. Right. She became resentful of the commercialization of the holiday. By the early 1920s, Hallmark Cards and other companies had started selling Mother's Day cards. Jarvis believed that the companies had misinterpreted and exploited her idea of Mother's Day. And they and, keep on going with exploitation. Yes, and that the emphasis of the holiday should be on sentiment, not profit. As a result, she organized boycotts of Mother's Day, threatened to issue lawsuits, man, woman after my own heart, against the companies involved. Jarvis argued that people should appreciate and honor their mothers through handwritten letters expressing love and gratitude instead of buying gifts or pre-made cards. Jarvis protested at a candy makers convention in Philadelphia and at a meeting of American war mothers in 1925. By then, carnations had become associated with Mother's Day and selling carnations was a way the American war mothers raised money, which angered Jarvis. She was on that day arrested for disturbing the peace. Wow. A peace activist arrested for disturbing the peace. I don't know about you, Glenn, but in my world, it doesn't get any better than that. Hey, you can't write I mean, that's a great finish. How ironic. How ironic is that? Uh, the Hallmark did invent uh, a few. I knew they invented Grandparents' Day, uh, but it looks like Valentine's Day existed long before commercialization, but that uh, mass, mass manufactured greeting cards were introduced in the United States in 1849 and sold by Hallmark by 1913. So they didn't actually invent that, but Boss's Day, Administrative Professionals Day, blah, 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 that they have to sell cards. Yeah. And I paid like eight ninety nine for a greeting card yesterday, which I was amazed that they've gone up that much. Oh, they're, they're incredibly expensive. And uh, greeting cards, huge business. And yes, uh, Hallmark makes quite a bit of money i mean mm -hmm. they they've got their own tv channel <laughs> but um you know a little interesting note another personal note from the archives of the of the life and times of reese boyd i had a friend after college who went to work for hallmark oh really writing designing writing greeting cards interesting and, uh he encouraged me to come along uh, for the ride apply to hallmark i did not go into the greeting card uh business but one wonders uh, there are people who make all I, i've never found i've never had much luck finding greeting cards that fit my um you know yeah, my sentiments yeah and actually like like jarvis said i always encourage my kids to make cards you know to to do something just write something from the heart seems a little more authentic but um you know when i walk down the greeting card aisle and i read you know the typical card i'm like oh my gosh who thinks these things right you know who right. oh really i mean it's just it's most of it is just so over the top i but, used to walk into uh, the greeting card aisle and of course it's packed when it's valentine's day and i would just walk up turn my head go run my fingers up the wall and pull a card yeah and then walk away <laughs> and everybody was like holy cow did you just see that and i just did it because i could yeah. but I, actually that would be a pretty good show yeah. if if we would just get a stack of reading cards yeah. and read them on air that would be a pretty yeah, good violets show. are red no roses are blue violets are red if you believe this examine your head i yeah. remember that one. that's so. a good one so it is mother's day don't forget to honor your mothers with handwritten notes of love yeah. and uh and and thoughtful expression it's a lot cheaper a lot cheaper we'll save you some money all I that like it more yeah all that and all the things that she does for you. Remember her tomorrow. Do not forget. And uh, happy Mother's Day, Mom, and, uh, and to Glenn's mom. And we'll be right back, folks, after these messages from our sponsors.
This is Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Morning Coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here for a real estate minute with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson team. And we've talked, Greg, on the show about how hot the real estate market is in South Carolina. Is the market still booming? It's not only booming, it still remains hot. Builders trying to catch up to all the demand. We've got only a two-month supply of inventory, so it's a red-hot seller's market for sure. So if folks are interested in selling, what can the Greg Sisson team help them with? At the end of the day, it still matters on where you price your home from a listing side because if you overprice your property in this market and it sits for more than 30 days, people start wondering what's wrong. So it's still important to know the market and price it correctly. So the expertise matters. And how can folks get in touch with the Greg Sisson team? Directly on my cell at 843-251-2693 and gregsisson.com. If you are interested in selling in this market, give them a call. It's the Greg Sisson team, 843-251-2693 or schedule an appointment online at gregsisson.com. Do you have a computer or laptop that seems slow? Can't afford a new one? Good news. The PC and laptop experts at PCRX will diagnose your computer no charge. PCRX repairs are honest and affordable. From computers to laptops to iPhones and iPads, PCRX will provide you with honest expert repair at an affordable price. Visit PCRX Main Street in Conway or visit them at PCRXcomputers.com. PCRX Computer Sales and Service. They have the right prescription for your computer. Saturday Morning Coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 734 on your Saturday morning. Want to give a shout out to all of you checking in on the PCRXcomputers.com text line. Jesse the Horseman checking in. Dogs learn more by sniffing butts than we learn watching CNN. Jesse, that's that's. Probably the most wise statement that's been. That's the quote of the year, Jesse. That's the quote of the year, Jesse, buddy. Andy uh, Andy Thompson checking in and uh, telling us about remedies Thursday seven to eleven. If you and and then you uh, you dropped out on us, Andy. But uh, sounds like something going on at remedies Thursday night. Uh, that's uh, that's Nick's band. Oh, Nick's band. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay, Nick's, very good. Nick's got 80, a couple of gigs this week. Eighty five Overdrive playing at remedies Thursday yeah. night seven to eleven. Be sure and check out uh, eighty five Overdrive if you can. Tim the car detail guy checking in. Kenny, the equipment guy, checking in. Our own Tom Heron uh, checking in. Looks like Wes Clark 
checking in. And uh, thanks, guys, for uh, listening this morning here on your Saturday morning. A couple of uh, bizarre incidents this week to uh, remind you guys of uh, kind of uh, some sad news this week. Uh, sixth grade girl opens fire at middle school in Idaho, injuring three female middle school student open fire on classmates in Rigby, Idaho on Thursday. Two students and one adult injured. The adult was treated and released from Eastern Idaho Regional Medical Center, while the other two students, one girl, one boy, had non-life-threatening injuries. A uh, sixth grader removed a handgun from her backpack and began firing just after 9 a.m. She was uh, disarmed by uh, by someone at school and uh, so could have been much worse. So thankfully, that was uh, not any worse than it was. I believe the janitor got shot and one of the children, that, uh, they both of them were shot in extremities. One yeah. of them was undergoing some surgery. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, man, but thankfully, thankfully, uh, no fatalities involved in that sixth grade i bet the yeah. police have already been through that house uh yes yes and i and it's i think it will there will obviously more to come on that story investigation ongoing i think we will probably learn some interesting things mm-hmm. about what was going on at the house but mm-hmm. we'll uh we'll follow up on that as it comes also interesting uh in a bad way columbia fort jackson a soldier in training has been arrested after hijacking a school bus after uh, with with armed with a weapon. Officials say it all started around 7 a.m. Thursday when a trainee dressed in physical training in a physical training uniform took an M4 rifle, jumped the fence, jumped a fence, and left the post. He's been identified as Yo- Jovan Calazzo, 23, of New Jersey. Uh, Fort Jackson notified uh, law enforcement but admitted that uh, Colazzo had been gone for a brief time before they notified anybody. The trainee was seen trying to flag cars down on Interstate 77. Those drivers called the Sheriff's Department. Officials say Colazzo got on the school bus with his rifle as the driver was letting children on at his stop at Percival Road and Eagle Park Road in Columbia. A parent stopped a deputy and said a man with a gun was on her child's school bus. So relatively bizarre development there. But thankfully, um, he let everybody off, and and, uh, the trainee was later apprehended. Uh, No serious One little hero on the bus actually called his parents from the back of the bus, and that's what notified the police officers. Now, this guy... Um, enjoy your time in jail. You've just been charged with kidnapping 19 children. Yeah, let me know how that works yeah. out for your career in the military. Yeah, I think you're going to get a dishonorable discharge. And uh, also interesting news, uh, speaking of uh, troubling news in the in the, in the the military, uh, Rolling Stone has a fascinating piece. Don't really have time to treat it in depth. I want to study it a little more. Rolling Stone magazine has a fascinating piece uh, this uh, week. Uh, or it came out this week, about uh, the number of homicides taking place within the Special Forces Command, and particularly at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. And they said this year, to date, uh, there have been 45 uh, fatalities, suicides, homicides at Fort Bragg. Extremely Mm. large number and uh, and various things going on. So I'm going to be looking at that, but I, I commend to you guys this very interesting story at uh, at rollingstone.com came out in the magazine this week and and interestingly enough one of the things that um, they're concerned about there appears to be uh, drug use within the special forces command that that may be out of hand and i was i was interesting it occurred to me that when rolling stone is concerned about the level of drug use it is something that that might merit attention but yeah clearly some stuff going on within the military at fort bragg 
that uh, it, that is uh, uh, curious and concerning. Uh, Forty-four fatalities, uh, a lot by any standard, and and I think we've got to figure out there what's going on. Also, something that we've talked about in the past: the uh, the Save Women's Sports Bill in South Carolina, third effort to block transgender athletes from competing in women's sport faces opposition. This is a bill that has been. Challenged, defeated, resuscitated, and uh, the, the third effort report uh, from the Charleston SC station WCSC goes as follows. LGBTQ advocates fought another bill focused on keeping transgender athletes from competing in women's sports in South Carolina. The legislation went before lawmakers Thursday with more than a dozen people signed up to testify. Many opponents argue that Senate Bill 531 sets a dangerous precedent for discrimination against transgender teens by singling them out. One South Carolina man who was a high school athlete prior to transitioning said he proposed legisla- the proposed legislation excludes transgender students from opportunities given to others. It creates this fear base not only for the opposing side in folks who have their fear-based thought about transgender folks. It also creates the fear and anxiety and worry in trans students when all they want to do is be able to live their life in peace and have the same opportunity. Thursday's Senate Education Subcommittee lasted for almost two hours with a list of people still standing by to speak on the issue. However, with this year's legislative session ending on May 13, subcommittees, subcommittee members plan to consider the bill again at a later date, along with some amendments and more testimony. What that means, folks, is that likely uh, the bill will not be passed or enacted this year. And frankly, I think uh, the only thing that the bill really does, I do not believe that the bill engenders an atmosphere of fear. Uh, what the bill simply seeks to do is to to state unequivocally that if you want to participate in girls' sports, you should be a girl. And it wasn't very long ago that that was not a controversial statement. That was something that all of us would take for granted. And I still would like to take that for granted. Um, it is uh, preserving the integrity of women's sports by not allowing people who are uh, biological males uh, to compete, as we have discussed on this program, in states where uh, women's sports have been opened up to uh, biological males, people who, are, who identify, who self-identify as females, but nonetheless biologically were born male biological males will quickly dominate women's sports. So, Did you happen to see that interview with a young lady? Uh, I believe she's a sophomore in college, said she's lost five races to a male. Oh, yeah. If you look at particular states like uh, Connecticut, something like 16 of the 18 state track records for women's track and field are now held by biological males. And it's not just the 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 integrity of women's sports – but it's the availability of scholarships, the availability yeah. of of, uh, of you know professional advancement in whatever sport you're pursuing, and so you know the question is why did we spend years, decades, with Title IX investment in women's sports to have uh, women's sports uh, eviscerated uh, ultimately by biological males who self-identify as females? So interesting, uh, interesting stuff. There and uh, but it doesn't look like the bill in South Carolina will get through the General Assembly in this session. 
But we'll see what happens. Uh, it remains to be seen how um, how this will all sort itself out. And the fact remains in South Carolina, there aren't that many uh, transgender athletes that we're aware of. But nonetheless, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the, the, the yeah. law should protect what we know to be um, what should be the standard. And, and for, for women's sports, the standard should be, in my opinion, you should be a woman. What happened to common sense? Has everybody lost their minds? Common sense. It's not that hard. I mean, I'm not a genius, but I know that it's wrong. And why we they keep pushing this and pushing this, it's biologically God-given right to the women to compete against other women. You would think this is not difficult. No. You would think this is not difficult. But for some people, apparently, it is. So... Folks, stick with us. We'll be back after these words from our sponsors with a lot more here on Saturday Morning Coffee. As I said, we're going to be joined after the uh, top of the hour by Paul Gable, author of a local blog here in town, the Grand Strand Daily. So we look forward to talking to Paul about some things going on at the O'Ree County Council this week. Interesting week at council. Be talking more about that in the second hour. Also going to be joined by Tom Heron. So stick with us. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Text us, 843-798-TALK. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. This is Phyllis with today's encouraging word, Revelations 320. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. What is God saying to us? If Jesus was standing at your front door, would you recognize him? Notice he does not knock the door down, but patiently and persistently waits outside for you to open the door. He allows us to decide whether to open our lives to him and welcome him in. He is a perfect gentleman. When you hear his voice and open the door to your heart, he will enter and dwell within your heart. If you have no interest in God, the Bible, or church, you have already begun shutting God out of your life. When you leave the door of your heart open to God, you won't need to think about missing his knock. Letting him inside your heart will give you lasting fulfillment. He wants you to spend time with him in his word, and he will fill your heart with joy and happiness. Today's encouraging word is sponsored by Crossroads Community Church, Carolina Elevator Cooperative, and your friends at Talk 94.5. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with my brand new adventure. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flowing like an awful. They lead tightly. Will it ever stop, y'all? I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll go to the extreme. I rock a mic like a band. Light up the stage and wax a chop like a candle dance. Caress a speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom deadly. When I play a dope melody, anything less than the best. To finally love it, to leave it, you better gain weight. Better hit fools out of kid, don't play. If it was a problem, I would solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.48 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, May the 8th. 2021. Thanks for sticking with us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. 
Another subject that I want to give you guys an update that we spent a lot of time talking about, and it's important, that's the issue of election integrity. Of course, most of you are aware that the uh, audit of the 2020, the November 2020 election results continue in uh, Maricopa County, Arizona, and that's uh, still a few weeks uh, to go, not much in the way of updates, but the uh, the, the process continues. Uh, there are various uh, reports that are out there speculating on results, and I think most of those are inaccurate. The official uh, position is that there is no position yet, but that the ballot recount is underway. Uh, settlement, there's a, <clears throat> as you know, there's been ongoing litigation. The courts required the uh, Arizona Democratic Party to post a million-dollar bond if they wanted to stop the audit. The party did not do that, so the uh, the second judge to be involved in the recount allowed the process to continue, and it goes on. There is a May 14 deadline. I believe that uh, uh, they are on track to meet that deadline. Of course, this is for Maricopa County. Um, but I will say this. Uh, there's, no un, there's no official report of the progress, but the, um, but the, the unofficial uh, thoughts that are being uh, bandied about the interwebs, if we can read the tea leaves on such uh, uh, an improbable source, the, the tea leaves seem to suggest that there is a pretty good chance that there is going to be uh, some degree of question that the results in Arizona are called into. Um, and, and if that happens, frankly, and of course they're looking at the, at the, at the balloting, uh, from every aspect and the, and the counting is ongoing, by the way, uh, they're doing this with volunteer input. I found that to be interesting. I thought the entire effort was, uh, paid staff. But, uh, one thing I learned this week that I thought was interesting is that the, uh, the, the recount is being done by volunteers, but of course it's all being done in the open. It's all being broadcast. And, uh, and so you can, uh, tune in and it's it's uh, all all available online so there's there's full transparency in this process um, <clears throat> but the, um, the I think the interesting question now is uh, what if in fact a a a material amount of fraud is identified in the Maricopa County audit and I think that what that would mean for most reasonable observers would be a, a level of fraud or uncertainty that would call into question, into legitimate question, the result of the count in Maricopa County. And I think then the question becomes, will there be an, a legislative maneuver or, or effort to require an audit of the entire state? And I think that that would seem to be the, the logical result. Um, and, and if that happens, frankly, um, you know, Arizona suddenly is called into question. And, and, and that's going to put the pressure on other states where the, the results were less than completely clear. I'm thinking of Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Ohio. Uh, those states are going to fall under increasing pressure to audit their own results. As we know, there is ongoing litigation in uh, Michigan, um, in, the, uh, in, the, uh, Mich- in the Michigan um, complaint there is uh, in Antrim County the uh, the attorney there representing the plaintiffs in that action uh, DePerno has filed an amended complaint in the uh, in the uh, Michigan proceeding there the Antrim County Michigan uh, proceeding opposing the or, or demanding a recount alleging the uh, 
uh, constitutional violations by the unfair counting of ballots in Antrim County, Michigan. And and the evidence there is increasingly um, looking to be sufficient to get this case into the discovery phase with this amended complaint to get this case uh, beyond what's called the dispositive motion uh, stage to get it such that they can engage in uh, full discovery. And hopefully, uh, again, the facts that, that come to light in Antrim, in the Antrim County uh, lawsuit appear to be suggesting that in Antrim County uh, that Joe Biden received a, an improbable number of votes that can't be documented and can't be sustained by the actual evidence of, of, of actual voters and, and actual ballots cast that could have been legitimately cast in Antrim County for the candidate. So again, more more questions being asked, more evidence being gathered that appears to suggest that the uh, that the claims have merit and that the and the the, the, the proceedings should continue, discovery should continue, um, and that that there were numerous uh, discrepancies and irregularities that suggest the um, that the results in, at least in Antrim County. And, of course, many counties in Michigan use the, the same voting system that's used in Antrim County, calling into question uh, the results in other counties if the Antrim County lawsuit is, uh, su- is uh, successful. And, the, uh, and, and in fact, frankly, uh, that process, if it continues on its current track, it, it would appear that it would create significant pressure on the, uh, on the uh, legislature in Michigan to, to do the same thing that they're doing in Arizona. And if that happens, uh, folks, uh, you know, I, th- I think we, we are in a, in a situation where um, it's really hard to predict exactly what is going to happen, but we're making progress. We're continuing to turn over these rocks, examine these, these election results uh, to make sure that the election results um, are either verified or documented to have been uh, incorrect. And uh, so, and on that note, the American Greatness Fund also announced uh, this week the formation of a new alliance that will evaluate the integrity of elections in key states. The uh, Election Integrity Alliance will serve as a centralized hub for voting information, offering tools to institute meaningful change for the American people. It will concentrate on fighting election fraud and will build solutions and provide resources to the public on the challenges to free and fair elections. The group will rely on the U.S. Constitution and the rule of law as its cornerstone. Ding, ding. That's all we need, folks. As I have said many times on this program, we just have to follow the Constitution. We have our guiding uh, roadmap. We have to follow the Constitution and, and, and we have to continue to investigate these issues wherever we find them. Again, uh, Arizona and, and the work in Michigan, I hope, will lead to other audits in other states. This will put pressure on other states. If Arizona and, and Michigan uh, find the results of their November 2020 election to have been invalid, that will put significant pressure on states like Pennsylvania Georgia to do the same thing, do a full audit recount of their election results. So I believe I'm cautiously optimistic that we continue to press these issues. We will ultimately uh, see progress. Um, We're also seeing progress on the legislative front in the states. Ron DeSantis, of course, signed a bill on Fox News 
uh, this week uh, providing for uh, election ballot integrity. Florida, this from Fox News, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis continuing the ongoing feud with corporate media on Thursday signed into law a contentious election bill during an event where only Fox News was allowed to observe. I thought that was a a nice turn. Love it. Yeah. DeSantis' decision to sign the measure, which puts restrictions on mail-in ballot collections and the use of drop boxes, was already well known ahead of time. Over the last several days, the Republican governor publicly touted the measure, which the GOP-controlled Florida legislature approved by a largely party-line vote this week. Before DeSantis approved the legislation, his staff barred other reporters from attending the West Palm Beach event that also included some of the legislators who backed the bill as well as political uh, supporters. So excellent uh, legislation there in Florida and important legislation in Florida. And one of the things that we have to do is continue to push these measures in, South, in, in, in the state legislatures that will protect uh, and preserve the integrity of the ballot box. Because, and, I, and I really think that the Florida bill gets at the heart of it. I think ballot harvesting, third-party recruitment, and, and, and harvesting of ballots by, by, by third parties is a disaster. Widespread mail-in balloting by voters who receive unsolicited mail-in ballots in the mail, that is disaster number two. The third disaster is, is, is making sure that these voting machines, these electronic voting machines, be they Dominion machines or any other machines, that we can actually rely on the results that we get from those machines and again, I think the process needs to begin and end with a paper ballot. However, you count the ballot in the interim. I think certainly at some point you're going to have to involve computers in that process. But the process should begin and end with a paper ballot that can be stored away for safekeeping until the election results and the election itself are in the history books. So, amen. Amen to that. I got an amen. Any other amens out there? Let me know. Love to hear your comments, folks. Keep them coming on the uh, text lines. Uh, Johnny checking in. Best bumpers in the business. Here's another one, Johnny. Enjoy some, uh, what do we got here, Paul Simon? Uh, that is correct. A little, si- a little Paul Simon here on Saturday morning coffee, folks. Stick with us. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. I don't know where I'm going. I'm on my way. I'm taking my time, but I don't know where. Goodbye to Rose and the Queen of Corona. See me. folks, Berlin Wolf here with Carolina Cool. Spring is a great time to turn to the experts and upgrade your heat pump system with a new Carrier High Efficiency System. Currently, Carrier's Cool Cash program provides a rebate for as much as $1,650. And with Sandy Cooper's $700 rebate, that adds up to a savings of $2,350 towards the purchase of a new Carrier High Efficiency System. Call us now at 238-5805 to get the details. All of our comfort specialists are certified to do proper load calculations and airflow diagnostics. Experience a no-hassle, low-pressure, options-based way of discovering your comfort choices. And learn why Carolina Cool is the only certified Energy Star contractor on the beach. Make sure your home is comfort-ready for a long, hot summer. I'm Verlin Wolf. Now that's cool. Carolina Cool. That's cool. This is WTKN, Merle's Inlet, Myrtle Beach. All the Clemson Tigers action. Talk 94.5. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. 
Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 8.07 on your Saturday morning. You've made it to the bonus second cup hour of Saturday Morning Coffee. Thanks for sticking with us here on the program. I want to remind you guys that you can join the show. Share your comments with us on the uh, call-in line at 843-903-2945. You can also text us your comments on the pcrxcomputers.com Text line, that number is 843-798-TALK. That's 843-798-8255. A lot going on. Still more to to come here on the show. Want to talk uh, here in the studio now with our next guest here on the program. Joined uh, this morning by Paul Gable. Paul is the author of a local blog that is published online. It's the Grand Strand Daily, and Paul's been publishing that blog for as long as I remember, about 10 years, I've been reading the uh, Grand Strand Daily, one of the more interesting reads in the local press. And so uh, Paul's joining us here today to talk about a, an interesting week on county council. Paul is a, uh, a, a follower and a reporter of events at county council and always has uh, very insightful comments. So, Paul, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Reese. Thank you. Thanks for uh, joining us. So we had an interesting week on uh, and and what do you what what is your aim with Grand Strand Daily before we get into county council? What's your what's your uh, what's your what, what's your special niche with Grand Strand Daily? What's uh, what's your objective with that? Well, you know, after I left the newspaper business, um, I put Grand Strand Daily up online, and that was ten years ago. And I I covered county politics. I covered sports and that kind of stuff too with the newspapers. But I covered county politics for a long time and some of the city's politics, and. Uh, I thought that it's – to me, it's important that the local citizens, the local voters pay attention to what's happening at the local level because, really, you can look at all the stuff that's going on in Washington and you can look at the stuff that's going on in Columbia, but there's nothing that affects you more directly on a day-to-day basis than your local governments. Amen. And that's probably the last thing that most people look at because all the great headlines and stuff come out of Washington or Columbia. My goal is to uh, provide – information about what's happening with the governments in Horry County or the various public agencies. You know, it's not not just the elected governments, but we have the elected school board. We have the appointed uh, Regional Economic Development Corporation, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. What's going on with those? What are the issues that are being discussed and how are your needs being attended to so to speak in the yeah. way of goods and services that the government's supposed to present yeah and and how is your money being being sp- spent being spent yeah so we had an interesting week on and i have always enjoyed your writing you have, you have a way of cutting right to the heart of the issues <laughs> that you cover and uh, avoiding all the bs and so i appreciate your style um but one of the things that i noticed this week very we often have colorful meetings with Ory County Council, it seems. But this week was, I would say, particularly colorful, even by our standards. There was um, a meeting where about halfway through the agenda, there was supposed to be discussion of the amount of money that the county has been spending on attorney's fees, a subject near and dear to my heart. And, uh, and 
at the moment that discussion was supposed to take place, Dennis, one of the council members, Dennis DiSabato, apparently made a very abrupt motion to adjourn. It was quickly seconded, and suddenly they went out for about 15 minutes, and they came back and they said meeting's over. So they, they didn't finish the rest of their agenda. They just went home. Well, let me say this. I've been covering county politics for over 30 years down here, and it was the strangest meeting or at least one of the strangest meetings I've ever seen in my time. And you're right. A council member, Al Allen, was approached by a couple of his constituents who are attorneys, Mm -hmm. men after your own heart. And they said, uh, you know, what do you have to do to – be considered for to apply for or whatever the, the the process is to be considered for some of this legal work that the county puts out to uh, to uh, private firms sure. every year mm-hmm. and and how much does the county spend so al said i've never been asked that question before so he inquired he sent in a request to the county attorney for the amount of legal fees <clears throat> that have been paid over the last three years, and to which firms they were paid. Mm-hmm. A normal, reasonable request. Sure. A request that is subject to the Freedom of Information Act is public information by definition, the expenditure of public money. Yeah. And he never got it. And as a matter of fact, you and I, if you don't mind me no, discussing no. it, you and I have actually litigated this very issue with the county in the past. And the interesting thing is that while the county objected to the form that I asked in, I asked for, uh, as I recall, legal fees that were paid on the Angie Jones case. Mm-hmm. And the county admitted that the legal fees were public information, Yeah, but I didn't ask for them in the right way. You didn't ask the, you didn't use the magic word. Uh, yeah, but, you know, they don't like me, and I expected to be denied on that, quite frankly, but... That's another subject altogether. But I will say this, having represented you in that matter and and having done quite a few Freedom of Information Act cases in my career and and actually had some involvement in in the other areas of the process of getting the FOIA Act in place in South Carolina, I I know the act. And it is well settled. And if you also know attorney-client privilege, I was surprised at the number of council members who tried to seemingly make this argument that the public's not entitled to know this because it's attorney-client privilege information. It is it is well-settled law. It's been litigated many times, and the courts always come down in the same square. The amount you pay your lawyer is not privileged. Well, exactly. Now, that the, the, atten- dola- the dollar amount that you pay your lawyer is not privileged information. No, and I'll ask for the dollar amount who it was paid to over the last three years. That's all he asked for, yeah. check information. Check information, I might note, that is online when the county's check register online, but would have taken a lot of sorting and sifting and going through in time for Al to get it. So he just requested it from the uh, department that sure. covers it. Yeah. The the uh, attorney-client privilege nonsense started when, when, according to reporting that's been out there, when Arrigo Karate, the county attorney, got the request, he went to Johnny Vaught, who is the council member who's the chairman of the admin committee for the uh, for the uh, county. And uh, I'm not I don't know what he asked him, but Vaught came up then with the explanation that, uh, well, this could lead to a discussion of legal strategy. Now, being an attorney, 
how many times on an invoice of yours have you discussed legal strategy? Well, you know, it is not uncommon in a lot of the litigation that we do for us to have to produce legal bills. It's not uncommon for us to be asked to produce those for various reasons. And one of the things I've noticed, you know, it's it's very possible that you can have information in a legal bill that you would consider to be privileged if the if you're talking about an actual copy of the invoice because the copy of the invoice can identify the subject matter of conversation, for instance, between oh, okay. an, an attorney and the client. And that is privileged information. But even in those cases where you have that information, the, the rule that, that I've always seen that the courts follow is you redact the privileged information, but you produce the non-privileged information of the bill. Because, again, the amount of the bill the identity of the lawyer working on the file, that information is very clearly, it's well-settled law. It, it's not subject to the attorney-client privilege. Exactly, and and this is what Al asked for, and this is what he was refused. He didn't want to get into a discussion of trial strategy, but it was a convenient excuse to avoid giving it to him. But this whole discussion seems to have opened up a deeper rift in counsel, which I thought was interesting. Uh, the uh, Sun News had a, had a story on uh, yesterday uh, captioned exclusive O'Ree County attorney fee rift widens. Council could vote on members contract. And I think that's a reference to Al Allen's contract. So we'll talk a little bit more about this very interesting story. A lot of interesting dynamics going on at your county council. We're talking to Paul Gable, author of the Grand, author and publisher of the Grand Strand Daily. And this is Saturday Morning Coffee. Stick with us. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. And you look like 1968. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. And more coming up next. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 8.20 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, May the 8th, 2021. Joined here in the studio this morning, have the privilege of talking to Paul Gable. Paul is the author and publisher of Grand Strand Daily. Fascinating little blog, always insightful and uh, hard-hitting reporting about local issues primarily, but uh, all things political along the Grand Strand. Encourage you guys to uh, check out Grand Strand Daily and subscribe to his post. Talking about, speaking of hard-hitting local political reporting, talking about the widening rift that has emerged in O'Ree County over the curious issue of attorney's fees and the amount that O'Ree County is paying outside 
council, and it's now apparently leading to other issues. But, Paul, to me, the issue is simple. I think you and I see this the same way. It's the public's money. County is spending it. It's clearly under the law, not privileged. So anybody should have this information. But but certainly if a member of council asks for it, you know, if you go to – uh, Arrigo Karate, the county attorney, or Steve Gosnell, the county administrator, and ask for the... I mean, you should get it immediately. It's public information. That's right. If you're a council member, there should be no question about it. But they wanted to develop... I said they tried to embarrass Al. They wanted to develop a scenario in which Al was trying to get Arrigo Karate and maybe Steve Gosnell fired, which was never the intent of anything. But if you notice... A lot of emails between council members and between council members and staff have evolved in the last few days and uh, become public and been written about and what have you. And you can see this is all personal. It's all personal. The the attack against Allen, the the holding off of of giving him information he's certainly entitled to, while you get out your narrative into the media about, oh, he's trying to get me fired or this or that, it's a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. Um, apparently there was some, ex- some exchanges between Johnny vault and Al Allen on council and, uh, and, uh, apparently some on council making the case that they wanted to provide context for the billing information. And, and, uh, Johnny, uh, Al wrote back in an email that I've has been shared with me. I'm sorry, but the argument has no merit. I never requested raw data. What's a simple, uh, what is so raw about a simple ledger as to who we paid <laughs> and how much? I'm sure it wasn't recorded in Chinese. So, um, well, interesting little debate. But now others on council are trying to raise the issue that Al Allen has a contract with the county for mosquito abatement. Of course, uh, Councilman Allen runs Allen Flying Service. And so they're apparently trying to use this issue to get to get back it out. Well, they are, but but they're doing it in their normal way. They don't know they don't know the facts behind things. They're just going out and spewing off in the media. <clears throat> Al has had that contract, I believe, since two thousand one. Now he didn't become a member of council till two thousand seven, but he's had it since two thousand one. He lost it for a period of time, maybe around two thousand four, two thousand five, to a Charleston firm that underbid him, but then went out of business. Every time he's gotten a contract from the county, he's gotten it through the sealed bid process. Mm-hmm. Now, you had you had uh, one time somebody, I forget who it was, th- put in file an ethics complaint that he was getting county business and he was a county councilman after he was on council. That went to the ethics commission. There was a finding and not doing anything. There was no probable cause for even bringing the complaint. Solid Waste Authority tried, uh, if you recall, when about – him having uh, back when we were having a discussion about taking construction and demolition uh, debris out of flow control, <clears throat> that Al was uh, flying was a pilot for one of the uh, people that has a construction demolition debris landfill across the border in Marion County, and they tried to they reported him to the ethics commission and what have you. That was no finding. So he's been he's been through the whole thing. He's got bids that uh, the bid process he can show. He's had ethics commission look at him twice on on allegations. So I invite them to try and bring that up and make a big deal out of it. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting um how you see these issues get thrown back and forth at one another it, it's revealing a, a deeper rift in the council and, and really frankly the issue the surface issue the issue of whether the the al or anybody else frankly you or i 
should be able to get the information without any pushback. Uh, but the simple request for information should have been a no-brainer. But now you see all these other issues getting thrown into the mix, and I think there are some that are actually also trying to go after the chairman, Johnny Gardner, and, and make it uh, you know a, a little tiff amongst apparently different sides of council. Well, you're absolutely right. It's the deeper issues. It, there is definitely a rift in county council. There's there's council members there who have never forgiven Johnny for beating Mark Lazarus in 2018, to be honest, and and have been stumbling blocks or attempted to be stumbling blocks ever since. But if you recall, you talk about the deeper issues, right? Mm-hmm. In the lawsuit that we had, that we litigated. Yeah. To, if you recall the county's to, response. To get, by the way, just to remind folks, to get information that should have been readily available to you without hiring a lawyer. That's right. Yeah. But, but you know, it wasn't a surprise that they went that, that route. But if you recall, the response was more about how this was political motivation on my part, and they had copies of stories that I wrote and what have you. Mm-hmm. No, I was requested information. Yeah. That should have been freely available. They they seem to always, or, or certain people at that county government seem to always want to tell their own story, get their own spin, and 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 try and, and denigrate somebody while they're trying to make themselves look good. If if they think your motives are not pure, then, then your request is denied. Right? Well, and the, as you and I have discussed on more than one occasion, the Freedom of Information Act does not care about the motives of the requester. Exactly right. If you are a member of the republic uh, or a member of the public, you may request. Well, let's let's take 180 degrees. Let's say Al Allen wanted to take that information and use it to castigate Arrigo Karate from the dais. He's still entitled to the information. Yeah, You're that, right. His motives have nothing to do with it. His motives are irrelevant. And yet they went immediately to motives and disregard the fact that they owed him the information directly. Yeah. It is interesting. And, you know, another interesting thing that the thought brings to mind, of course, I grew up in O'Ree County, and I remember a time as a kid when I think there were just a couple of law firms. I remember Pat Henry's law firm did a lot of work for the, for the county. The county had a, a handful of law firms doing work for it. And at some point, they, I think they began to spend enough money on outside counsel that they decided, hey, we'll save money if we hire an attorney to work for the county. So then we had a county attorney. That happened about 30 years ago, right around the early 90s. I don't recall the exact year, but it was right in that time that they first hired their full-time attorney. I'll take your word for it. I don't know. So that sounds right. And then at, over time, of course, that staff has grown. So we now have a fleet of lawyers, a whole staff on staff for the county and I don't I don't know what the budget implications of that are but it's not it's not nothing plus they're spending well over a million dollars at the current run rate annually on outside counsel is that that's true and also you got to remember that roughly 40% of their cases I believe are paid for by the South Carolina Insurance Reserve Fund who han- who handles the hiring of their attorneys yeah it's it's nuts yeah and and it so just things that make you go hmm we've we've gone a we've come a long way in just a few years and it and it makes you wonder why you know things are so much more complicated and uh, and so much more expensive so where does this issue go what what do you th- what do you see transpiring at the next what what, what are the next fireworks going to look like well you're, you're going to have some bubbling emails and questions that they generate to the media over the next few days and. Uh, Al does have the information now. All the council has the information. Johnny Vaught came out at the council meeting Tuesday night, and and during an interview he said, the information is attorney-client privilege, and everybody who's seen it 
agrees with that. And within 48 hours, that attorney-client privilege was in, with all the media, in all the media's hands, uh, a, a two-page printout of how much was paid and who it was paid to and the description, you know, whether it was this case or that case or uh, some issue. That was – all the council members had it. All the uh, all the news media has it. And uh, that's the same information that Al requested a month earlier and had to wait 28 days to get. Yeah. And and Johnny Gardner made the comment after the meeting in, in various email statements – uh, to council in a public statement, I believe that he was frustrated with council because obviously the work of the county uh, gets pushed to the back burner when this kind of circus politics, political theater takes center stage. And you really do wonder how's the work of the county getting done if everybody's focused on, you know, this kind of. Well, they're focused on this kind nonsense. of thing and willing to adjourn a meeting before the council agenda is done as a grandstand show from the dais. It's nuts. It is. Absolutely. It's nuts. There's your astute political commentary from Paul Gable. <laughs> Paul, what else is on your mind? Anything? Any final parting words? Any final parting words? Well, I see here you have a thing that says SCGOP schism. Yep. There, there seems to be – schism seems to be the operative word in uh, modern-day politics. And, Amen and to I, that. I don't know that that will go away anytime soon. It's a broken world, Paul. It's a broken world. Oh, and, yeah. And we have to do the best we can. Folks, I'm talking to Paul Gable. Paul, it's been great to have you with us. Reese, thank you very much. Always uh, welcome to join us anytime, folks. It's Paul Gable. Check out Grand Strand Daily online. It's Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Paul Gable. Don't leave town. I'm done. Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old lies, if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaker. He's a chain breaker. Yes, he is, folks. It is 836 on your Saturday morning. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd. I want to thank Paul Gable of Grand Strand Daily for joining us here on the show this morning to talk about O'Ree County Council and some rather interesting things going on. On the dais. That was very and interesting. Yeah. I wondered why the uh, county council meeting ended so abruptly the other night. I had been wondering that. It was uh, very abrupt. It was very abrupt. I would say Chairman uh, Gardner has had a couple of meetings in his tenure that uh, ended rather dramatically and unceremoniously. But uh, it was an interesting meeting. It'll be interesting to see what the next county council meeting looks like. I mean, at some point, we've got to act like adults and roll up our sleeves and, and get to work. 
So we'll be uh, curious to see how the next meeting goes. But uh, the hijinks continue in Ori County. Interestingly enough, Paul Gable, in his uh, parting comments, mentioned the schism at the SCGOP. And, of course, schism's not uncommon in politics. You know, that's what the purpose of politics is, is to resolve uh, the schisms that we have in society, the differences of opinion uh, that we have traditionally in this country. We've resolved uh, those differences under the rule of law uh, by negotiating and debating in public forum and in legislative chambers. Uh, That is preferable to resolving those issues at the end of a gun barrel or a cannon barrel. We've we've had a few issues in this country that required uh, the involvement of gun barrels and cannon. Uh, That was not a pleasant experience for us. But there are various schisms involved in current politics, one of which ongoing, the South Carolina GOP, something that we've talked about on this show and on this station. We did have the O'Ree County GOP County uh, Convention a couple of weeks ago on uh, Saturday, April 24. And it was an interesting day, and uh, we've talked about that. Won't uh, won't belabor the point too much. Tom Heron going to be joining us. We may touch on that a little bit uh, here before the end of the show. But did want to talk a little bit about the county convention, of course, is the lead-up to the state convention. The state convention occurring on May the 15th. So coming up uh, very soon is the uh, state convention. The state convention is where all the delegates gather to cast their ballot. O'Ree County, for example, has 48 delegates that were elected to go to the uh, state convention in uh, Columbia. I will be there. This year we're not, because of COVID, uh, we're having sort of a hybrid uh, convention. There will, be a, there will be a gathering in Columbia, but the various counties will gather in person, as we did here in O'Ree County for our county convention and we'll cast our balloting in person, cast our ballots in person at the at the county uh, headquarters site, whatever location is selected for each county. And those results will be reported to the state convention in Columbia. And the results will be announced, uh, you know, in the ordinary course as a, as it would at any state convention. So, of course, the big there have been a couple of folks who have late declared their candidacy. The main contenders in the race to lead the SCGOP, of course, the incumbent Drew McKissick seeking re-election. Drew's already served a couple of cycles and he's he's running for re-election. And then, of course, Lynn Wood, rather interesting character. And one of the things that I have noticed is that Lynn was uh, involved in the process uh, rather much a Johnny-come-lately. Uh, Lynn has does, Lynn does not have a history of being a Republican. Lynn has a history of being a Democrat. Um, he recently moved to South Carolina. All of this has been reported. I mean, and one of the things that uh, has been interesting is that this debate, this this issue, this effort to purge what are being called rhinos from the Republican Party has sort of taken center stage. And we had this very well-funded effort. Somebody spending a fair amount of money. I'm not exactly sure if it's Lynn Wood or who. But somebody's spending a fair amount of money to get Lynn Wood uh, get his get his message out. Uh, they've had nu- they had numerous events. There was uh, a slate of candidates who were well funded associated with that effort. The effort in South Carolina was under the umbrella, if we can use that word, of the MySCGOP.com organization. And I'm still not exactly sure who who uh, is really behind all that. There were various individuals that were involved. By the way, there is. Um, uh, just a lot of moving targets. But one of the, the, the key issue that it all boils down to for the moment, 
the, the county election obviously behind us. And uh, for the record, I've, I've said this once, I, I'll say it again. You know, I support the new leadership team of the county. I hope they are able to unify uh, this party in O'Ree County. We need to be unified and uh, we need to work on moving forward uh, together as a party because the real, as I have said many times, the real enemy of freedom is not anybody in the room, to my knowledge, there at the county convention. The enemies of freedom are the AOCs of the world, the, uh, the Kamala Harris's, the Joe Biden's, the Biden administrations. Those are the folks who want to take your liberty away. And if left unchecked, folks, they will take your liberty away. And as I've said many times, there are basically three things in my estimation that stand between you and the loss of freedom. Three things protecting you, three bulwarks that protect you from tyranny. One is the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, frankly, hasn't done a terribly good job lately of of fulfilling its role, its objective. I think the the Supreme Court, as I've said many times, dropped the ball in responding to the November election. I think if they had taken those cases that were brought by the Texas uh, AG and joined in by other states in, in December, there's a very good chance that January 06, 2021 would never have happened, in my opinion. But the Supreme Court is there. They remain, a, at least in theory, a constitutional majority court standing between you and the loss of your freedom, your liberty. The other bulwark against the loss of liberty are the states. There are quite a few red states that are that are making gains, fighting the good fight, South Carolina included, with its pushback agenda, pushing back against the uh, ever-increasing efforts of the Biden administration to redefine this country, to redefine society. And then finally, we've got the Republican Party. And I know the Republican Party is not perfect. It's full of imperfect individuals. But let me just say this. If you're looking for a perfect president or a perfect SCGOP chairman or a perfect congressman or a perfect senator, let's just go find a unicorn while we're at it. There is no perfect governor or perfect senator or perfect chairman for the Republican Party. There was one perfect man, and and we nailed him to a cross. Ding, 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 ding. I just got a ding. So, um, so we're not going to find a perfect chairman for the Republican Party, mm-hmm. but I'm very concerned about this effort to select Lynn Wood. And I see a lot of people backing Lynn Wood who don't seem to fully understand, and I don't fully understand, frankly, what makes Lynn Wood tick. And I think that's one of my concerns. But it's an interesting time to be a Republican. I'll say this, joined here on the program, speaking of an interesting time to be a Republican, by my good friend, Tom Heron. Tom, the host of up with America here on this same radio station. For those of you who don't stick around after Saturday morning coffee, we're followed immediately by Tom Heron and Up With America. Tom, good morning. How are you this morning? Reese, I am doing great. It's another beautiful day here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It's a little chilly this morning, but I, you know what? I get up every Saturday morning so I can listen to your show because it gets me motivated to keep on going at 9 o'clock, and that's what we're going to do today. Have we done a good job this morning? You've done a great job this morning. I I ran into Paul Gable on the way out. He's an old friend, too, as you know. Good man. Good, Good man. man. So, Good ri- great writer, by the way. Yeah. So what, what, what are your thoughts on what kind of uh, – what is the, the lay of the land? What is it like to be a Republican today? Well, first of all, as you know and my listeners know and Glenn knows, I've kind of been a little bit out of the loop here the last two or three months, which is unfortunate. It's the first time in 25 years that I haven't been integrally involved in the Horry County Republican Party reorganization process and all that kind of stuff. So I'm a little bit out of the loop. However, here's my number one observation, Reese, and you've sort of addressed it. I don't know who Lynn Wood is. I don't know what he stands for. I know who Drew McKissick is, 
and I know what he stands for. I don't agree with everything that Drew McKissick has done or does, but here's the biggest problem I have both on a local and a state level. I never hear anybody talk about policy. I never hear anybody talk about the platform, about the issues, about the subject matter that's facing us here in South Carolina, us here in Horry County, and us here in America. We don't hear that. All we hear is fussing and fighting and who wants the power, who wants to take over. I want to know what they stand for, and I don't hear that from any of them right now. That's very unfortunate. I think that's a disaster. We've become too wrapped up in personality, and I think that's a big problem. And frankly, I think that's one of the unfortunate – you know, Trump has a lot of positive aspects of his legacy. And But I think that's one of the unfortunate aspects of the Trump administration and the legacy of the Trump administration is it left us with a political arena where the personality of the individual is given too much credence, too much weight. Could it's not, not be more right, Reese. You're absolutely correct. That's where we are right now, and that's very a very dangerous place to be because we need to understand what what it's all about. People, you know... Frequently, people say, are you really a conservative, Tom? Well, the truth of it is, yes, I am, and I have always been. But really, what I really would consider myself is a constitutionalist. I believe in the Constitution. I think it's a brilliant document. I don't think it's something that's flexible. And I wish that the Republican leadership here and everywhere would get down to the basic fundamentals. Yeah, and you know, you and I have recently been labeled rhino, which I I I find to be funny. It is hilarious. Yeah. But I'm a, I always tell people I'm a conservative first, and I, and I would say you're right, a constitutional conservative first Correct. and a Republican second. And I've right. always been that. And if, if that makes me a rhino, by the way, then I guess I am. But that's only coming from one group. Oh, I know. Is it not? Yeah. Just saying. So, but a lot it's of talk- coming, actually, Glenn, it's coming from one group, but it's coming from people who have never met me, who don't know me, who have right. never exchanged anything with me, who don't listen to me, who don't understand what I stand for. And it's very unfortunate. There, there is nobody in Horry County that's more qualified and more historically steady than Reese Boyd when it comes to his philosophy of government and leadership. That's the bottom line. But stick with us, folks. I'm here with Tom Heron. We're going to confess the evil of our rhino ways <laughs> and purge those thoughts from our brains. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. We'll wrap it up with Tom Heron. Don't leave town. And more. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk 94.5. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And insurance can be one of those services. Are you sure about your insurance? What is covered? What is it? Are you paying too much? More and Associates Insurance would like to be your local insurance experts. They have a knowledgeable, friendly team with over 150 years of combined insurance experience. Give More and Associates Insurance a call today or visit them on Facebook or Google. More and Associates, Myrtle Beach. When it comes to your insurance needs, more is truly more. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Full hours on Talk 
brother, let me be your fortress. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. It is 8.51 on your Saturday morning. Made it to the parting wisdom segment of Saturday Morning Coffee, another show nearly in the can. Still joined here in the studio by my good friend Tom Heron. We're talking about the campaign, the ongoing schism. Glenn's new word for the day, schism. Uh, I had to look it up. Listen, every day we try to be erudite and illuminate (laughs) for our audience a new word. Today's word is schism. And the definition is a split or decision between strongly opposed sections or parties caused by differences in opinion or belief. Well, there's a strong difference of opinion. Thank you for that, Mr. Producer. There is a strong difference of opinion within the SCGOP, a well-funded effort to replace existing chairman Drew McKissick with newcomer and formerly avowed Democrat, frankly, Democratic contributor, Lynn Wood, a very interesting situation. Politico had this to say this week. Lynn, Lynn Wood played a starring role in Georgia's GOP civil war after the 2020 elections. Now the Trump pro-Trump lawyer is taking his road show to South Carolina where he's campaigning as the chaos candidate to lead the state Republican Party. Wood, who transformed from a top Atlanta trial lawyer to a leading election conspiracy theorist in November, moved to South Carolina in February. Then the firebrand lawyer shocked the political establishment in one of the GOP's most important state parties by mounting an unexpectedly strong challenge to the incumbent, Drew McKissick. The outcome has outsized implications because of South Carolina's leading role in GOP presidential primaries. The state hosts the first primary in the South, And almost always votes for the eventual Republican nominee. It's emblematic of the broader division between longtime GOP members and those brought into the Republican fold by Donald Trump, who remain the party's center of gravity. Trump has already endorsed McKissick more than once, I might add, who went so far as to cancel the 2020 presidential primary, that's Drew McKissick did, in the state when the president ran for re-election. But in Woods telling, it is he who carries the Trump mantle. But the point that I keep coming back to, folks, if you want to take guidance for who carries the mantle of Donald Trump, then what better source is there than Donald Trump himself? And one of the things I've thought is I, again, Drew, uh, not Drew McKissick, Lynn Wood, a, a, a real newcomer to these proceedings, not, in, as a matter of fact, as recently as December of 2020. He said publicly he was not a Republican. In fact, he has given significant money to Democratic candidates over the years. But there was one quote as I did my research that really caught my attention. And and Linwood has said some truly baffling things. Um, there was a confrontation between Drew McKissick and Linwood where Linwood approached Drew McKissick at the Hampton County GOP convention and made some fairly startling allegations about child sex trafficking and and Drew McKissick's involvement in that and other things, uh, involvement along with Lindsey Graham. And all I will say, folks, Linwood should know this. If you don't have any hard evidence of such statements, those 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 statements are not just categorically crazy, uh, but they are actionable defamation. There was another uh, quote that caught my attention from uh, the inestimable Limwood, and this this is what we lawyers would call highly credible evidence. This is not evidence where somebody said Linwood said this or Linwood said that. This is a dispute between Linwood. This is in a lawsuit, a dispute between Linwood and his former law partners, uh, where they're fighting over money. As I know, uh, I'm a lawyer. Few things on the planet more entertaining than watching lawyers fight over money. 
But nonetheless, in this litigation between Lynn Wood and his partners, and this is not somebody quoting Lynn on the stand. They're, they're actually quoting in their brief, the partners are quoting a transcript of a comment that Lynn Wood made at a meeting of the partners in the boardroom of the law firm. And so there's an actual transcript of these comments in the record. There are also various voicemails that were entered into evidence. But uh, this particular comment by Lynn Wood is cited in a footnote in a brief filed by Lynn Wood's partners in that litigation. And the, and the footnote reads as follows. It says, for the fa- same reasons previously stated, including that Wood has accused plaintiffs of falsely alleging he has a God complex. So because Lynn Wood has alleged that these allegations are false and delusions of grandeur, plaintiffs, Lynn Wood's partners, feel compelled to advise the court that Wood's own recorded words speak for themselves. And they go on in this filing, in this court filing, to quote a comment that is that was recorded in the law firm boardroom. Your, and this is by Lynn Wood. Lynn Wood said, you're sitting with Lynn Wood. Or has the second coming already started? Maybe I'm here. You want to take the risk that you might be wrong and I might actually be Christ coming back for a second time in the form of an imperfect man, elevating Christ consciousness? That cause you a little bit of a chill? Who would be more eloquent to say what the will of God is, the belief of God in me? Again, this is Lynn Wood talking, recorded on tape. I represent Moses. I represent Ananias, the believer. I'm like the power of King David. Now look, y'all, I told y'all I was going to pray tonight to my God, not to myself, because to me there's God and there's me. Wow. I don't know how you guys evaluate the comments that people make in your world, but in my world, when somebody makes a comment like that, it takes you out of consideration for chairmanship of any organization that I'm going to be a part of. And if you do your due diligence, folks, you will see that there that the Internet, the interwebs, the recent coverage of Lynn Wood's comings and goings on the campaign trail is rife with not exactly that statement, but statements of a similar to crazy nature. Any any final words, Tom Heron? Yes, sir. Here's my final word. I hope you all have been listening carefully to what Reese is talking about. And I hope you all understand that the entire focus is. November of 2022. It's really that simple. If we do not take back the House and or the Senate or both, then we are done. The country is finished. We have no choice but to do that. And that's, and if, that's if important, you think, Tom. If, we got to go. Let me leave you, folks. Thank you, Tom, with this bit of parting wisdom from the Proverbs, as we always do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Y'all stick around for more Tom Heron and Up With America, and we'll be back next week with more Saturday Morning Coffee. Be blessed. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.